doing this morning? Hey, there we go. The sound kicked in. All right. Excellent. I'm excited that you are here. Looking forward to what God has for us this morning. Had a great early service and God's building his church here. Welcome. If this is your first time, welcome. You're our honored guest. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee and a donut if there was any left. I went out there. Somebody ate them all. I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was, but I didn't get one. So it's okay. We know now to buy more. If the pastor doesn't get a donut, you know it's a problem. You know it's a problem. All right? So something wrong with this church. So we got to fix that. All right? Just kidding. Welcome to Southridge. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Take your Bible to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. And as you're turning there, have you ever, maybe you've said it or you've heard somebody say the phrase, all hell is breaking loose. You ever maybe said that or heard that? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're looking at your life and your week and you're just kind of like, what's going on? Man, with the job, with home, with friends, with my life, it just kind of seems like everything all at once is just kind of erupting in my life. And yet we as believers know that because we have Jesus inside of us, we don't have to have this attitude of, all hell is breaking loose. Instead, this week, I want to challenge us to have a different attitude that says, you know what? Life isn't going exactly how I planned. Things aren't working out as I had hoped, but I'm not going to allow all hell to break loose. Matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unleash heaven on this circumstance because we live in a day and age where we often think that I'm waiting for heaven. Like that's my consolation prize. I suffered through life on earth, and so now I get heaven one day. But Jesus came so that we would have heaven here and now. Now, it's not the eternal, perfect, uh, uh, eternal heaven, but there is a sense where God said, hey, as in heaven, so on earth. God wants us to usher in some heaven here on earth. So when you come into a situation with your children this week, instead of unleashing hell on your child, unleash some heaven. (laughs) When your spouse does something that you don't like that your spouse did, instead of unleashing hell on your spouse, how about you unleash some heaven? And that could take any forms. That could be anything you want it to be. But when you come to your boss and he does something, instead of getting upset, you say, I'm going to unleash heaven in this situation because I find that this earth needs more of heaven, not more of hell. Right? But yet, how often are we doing the exact opposite? We're like, okay, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You're going to unleash hell? I'll bring it right back. Bless God, and I'm a Christian, so I know how to really get to you. And so we're stepping back and saying, wait a minute, that's not how Christ would want us to respond. So we want to have a response that says, you know what? In this situation, me adding more hell to it is not going to cause, it's not going to fix anything. Especially as we look at the events of this week and maybe our lives, we could definitely see that adding more hell to this is not what we need. We need to bring in heaven. And we're going to look at how, how is that even possible? And your Bibles are open to John chapter number 10. Let me read. We're going to read just 11 verses. Here's what the Bible says. And if you brought your Bible, you can open it. If not, it'll be up on the screen or you can use your smartphone or you can check sports if you want to pretend like you're reading the Bible. That's fine. We won't catch you, maybe. Verse number one, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will not, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. Let me just stop for a moment. I wish we lived in a generation that were true. Uh, It seems today that we have people that they claim the name of Jesus. They claim to be Christ followers. But you were asked them, hey, what voice are you following? It's not the voice of the shepherd. It's the voice of a wrong spirit. And they're not listening to the voice of God. They're not in tune. You see, God is speaking. God is wanting to direct you. But oftentimes, we're so filled with all the distractions, we can't hear from God like we want to, like we ought to. And so instead of saying, no, I'm just not hearing clearly from God, we try to blame it on something else. Well, God just isn't speaking. My friend, God is always speaking. God is word. He's revealing to us his will. But oftentimes, we've allowed the, the thoughts and things that are going on to crowd out what people are saying. I've been to restaurants, and you can look over at a couple, and you can see a nice couple. They're enjoying a nice dinner. They paid a lot of money for it. And to spend this quality time together, they both have their heads in their phones. I'm thinking, you paid all that money, you went to a nice restaurant, and both of you want to spend all that money to look at Facebook? You could save a lot of money and go to McDonald's and look at Facebook. But this is to get some FaceTime. Not that kind of FaceTime, but real FaceTime. Build that relationship. But instead, we're too busy. And so we wonder why we're not hearing from God. is because we're not saying, Lord, is there anything between my soul and what you want to say to me? Am I ready to receive? Because God wants to direct your steps. God wants to lead you. God wants to guide you. And so we got to be listening to his voice. I often say it like this. Remember when we were dating or when you were new in a relationship, you just loved that person. You couldn't wait to be next to that person. And you would get up real close to that person. And then the voice would kind of drop and you'd start to just whisper, talk real softly, real kind and gentle lovingly to that person and as they talk softer softer you had to get closer because you couldn't hear them so it so you scoot in a little bit closer and the guy's like yeah that's what i'm talking about i don't want to stretch out this old football injury you know and i'm like yes god's trying to do the same thing god is whispering not so that you like god speak up i can't hear you no no god's whispering because he wants you to draw close to him because he whispers, that's the sign for you and I to say, yes, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw closer. Think about this. Jesus po- chose 12 disciples. Out of those 12, he had three close disciples, Peter, James, and John. That when Jesus would go out into the garden, all 12 went. But when he left that group, and he said, I'm going to go a little bit further. Just three went. So God is always calling you to a deeper, closer walk with him so we can discern his voice. Verse number six, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Verse seven, then Jesus said to to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I don't have a lot of experience with sheep. 
but the experience I do have happened in college. I went to a college that's in uh, Lancaster, and so I was out there, and for whatever reason, it's kind of the high desert, but there just so happens to be a bunch of sheep out there. They have alfalfa farms, and then there's a sheep. Well, we would have uh, uh, these activities at the college, and, and um, I don't know if we were dating at the time. I don't, I don't know. We might have been. That's bad to say. I wasn't dating anybody else. I just don't remember if I was dating her, all right? <laughs> Clarify, you know? And so we weren't talking at the time, but all the ladies of the college, they were doing an activity, so all the guys had nothing to do. And we're not going to do homework or anything. No. Uh, so we went and played some video games and we came back and we were still just kind of bored. We were like, what are we going to do? And I had some roommates that were from Oregon and those Oregonians, they, they, they come up with some really creative stuff. They're more outdoorsy than us California people, you know? And so they were a little bit more rugged. And so they had made something called a potato gun. Anybody know what a potato gun is? A few of you. Okay. So you take like some PVC pipe and some other pipe and you you glue this thing together and then you get a, a an old barbecue grill that has that little uh, push button lighter and you you rig it so it goes in there and then what you do is you take a piece of potato and you jam it in one end of this pipe and then you spray a bunch of hairspray in one end and you seal it so hairspray's in there right where that little uh, 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 barbecue lighter is and then when you hit the barbecue lighter it kind of causes the whatever that hairspray does to ignite and then it sends that potato flying well normally you build a potato gun that's yay big no 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 these oregonians they had one you kind of had to nestle it in your thigh and kind of had to hold it like this it was more like a bazooka and so maybe because they were close to idaho they liked the big spuds not the little wimpy ones we here have here at whole foods you know those little red potatoes no no no, no. none of that we have these big spuds so we're shooting those off and we're having a good time and and all of a sudden we're kind of getting it's getting kind of boring you know just shooting potatoes it's not not that much fun we needed a moving target for dudes that's what dudes do so across from my dorm room there was all these sheep now I see your judgment I see that condemnation I see it I was 18 don't judge don't judge so we start launching these potatoes at these sheep and man it's kind of funny it's kind of funny and these sheep man they're flying they're running and everything and we just had a good time and then the next day I'm driving to work I work at the mall and I look over and I see a farmer out there Farmer's like this. His head's down. He's going like this. And he's got a white fluffy. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I, I'm gonna, I'm, this is it. I'm going to have a prison ministry after this. Your pastor's going to be called to jail. And we had somehow, I think, I think the sheep was in shock. That's what it was. It wasn't dead. Just shocked. Just shocked. Okay. That's my experience with sheep. I don't have a lot of experience. But here Jesus is teaching about sheep. And sheep, he's teaching how there's someone who's out to destroy the sheep. There's someone who wants to get the sheep. And it's not 18-year-old college students with a potato gun. Somebody much, much worse. The Bible says the thief comes for to steal, kill, and destroy. But when you think about it, I get stealing. I get killing. But how do you destroy something that's already dead? You ever thought about that? Why is it that Jesus is warning the group and saying, hey, hey guys, listen, listen, here's what's so important about the good shepherd. You need a shepherd because he's here to protect you, but here's why you need protection because there's a thief and this thief, his name is Satan and Satan is after you. Just like Jesus said to Peter before Jesus went to the cross, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Satan's desired to get you, but I've prayed for you. And so now we step back and here's Jesus saying, hey, there's a thief. There's somebody, he's out there. He wants to get your life. He wants to destroy it. He wants to steal from you, kill you, and then destroy you? Kind of seems like overkill, doesn't it? 
Little play on words. See what I did there? Kill? No, it's fine. It's early. It's early. You'll wake up. You'll get it on the way home. You're like, ah, oh, I got it. Bad pastor joke. All right. Sorry. So we need to understand how important it is that Jesus is here and he's the shepherd. But what does that mean? Because oftentimes we see John 10 and we think, oh, this is just a nice little, nice little Jesus story. And that's kind of what we need on a Sunday, a nice little Jesus story. And, and so give me something that just kind of makes me feel good. And then I'm going to go to Applebee's and it'll just be a, it'll be a good Sunday. All right. Just give me a good Sunday. And, and this morning, if you're new here and you're exploring your faith and you're not a Christ follower yet, this message may not resonate with you. Because this morning I want to talk to people that you call yourself a Christian. You claim the name of Jesus. You claim that Jesus died for you and you claim that you've received him. This morning I want to speak to you because sometimes we look at pastor scriptures like this and we just think, oh, that's so nice that we've got such a loving Jesus, such a soft, gentle Jesus. And Jesus is not some gentle giant. That's not what he is. He's not some precious moment Jesus. He's saying, hey, I'm the shepherd of the sheep. And the reason sometimes we see that and it doesn't bring comfort is because you see this really soft, mild-mannered Jesus. You don't see a high and lifted up, a holy, resurrected, all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent, ruling and reigning Jesus. You have a different view. And this morning, if you don't have the right view of Jesus, you'll never understand how awesome and how powerful this truth is that he is our shepherd. And so this morning, my desire, my goal for you would be that you would understand that Jesus is so much bigger than what I, what I have in mind. So you need to understand that Jesus, he's saying in verses 1 and 2, he's saying, I, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door of the she- is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm your guardian. There's, there's a robber out there. There's a thief. So I'm going to be your guardian in this situation. I'm going to be your guardian so you are protected. And this is huge for us because we think in life that, oh, I'm just going through and Jesus is not aware and what's going on. He, didn't, he didn't, hasn't been watching out. But Jesus is there and he is watching out. He's making sure that this thief who wants to do terrible things to you because that word destroy means to annihilate you it means to steal your reason for existing and some of us that's what he wants to do he wants to steal your reason for existing because some people wake up and they're just numb to the world they just think what am i doing today what do i really matter does it really matter if i keep going i'm just going to give up i'm just going to quit i'm just going to walk away and jesus saying no 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 you have a purpose i have a plan for you and you're protected and so i don't want the enemy to come and steal your reason to remain because oftentimes we can get real discouraged if we think there's no point he's stolen my resources he's taken my reason i should just walk away i should just quit but instead we need to understand that we need to keep going we need to keep going because there is so much jesus wants to do and he is our guardian this morning do you realize you have a guardian do you realize you have somebody who's close who walks with you he's there and so you can be at peace It's amazing. We live in a generation that's so fearful. We're so afraid. So we buy bigger insurance. We try to build bigger homes. We add more security, more safety, and we don't feel more safe. We have the alarm system. We we make sure we lock the doors at night. We, We may buy a gun or we may do all these things to try and keep ourselves safe, but yet we don't feel safe. Why is that? Because we're not as close to the savior as we ought to be. Because when we are at peace with him, all of a sudden, when we know him, we know that we're at peace. We know that we can relax. We know that it's 
going to be okay. So understanding that when he says I'm the good shepherd, he's saying, hey, I'm your guardian. That means I'm, I'm there to protect you. I've got your back. I'm there in a difficult situation. I'm there when you feel lonely. I'm there when you feel isolated. I'm there to protect you and to guide you and to keep you and make sure that you're safe. Many of us, we remember guys like Bernie Madoff and their Ponzi scheme to con people out of their money. And that's oftentimes what I think Satan tries to do, tries to con us out of our calling. He's constantly there trying to call you away from what God has called you to. And he's trying to trick you and he's trying to get you. And instead of saying, Lord, I need to listen to you, we're often like, oh man, God, he's getting in and he's, he's taking over. And we need to say, wait a minute, God, help me to have an eye, mind and eyes focused on you so that I don't let the enemy in. I am protected from that. So first we see that he's my guardian. Secondly, I want you to see that he is your guide. He's your guide. Notice verse number three. Here's what the scripture says. It says in verse number three, to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. You have a guide. And some of us, I know we, we hear that. And we think, oh, that's nice. Jesus will guide us as long as we're doing what he wants us to do. No, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. and He delights in his way. God is directing our steps. God is leading. Jesus is in control. You say, but, but pastor, I've made some decisions. I've made some mistakes. And this is why I'm in the mess that I'm in. And God can say, hey, I can still direct that. I can still lead you. I was talking to a gentleman afterward. And we were talking about that, that no life is a straight line. No life is a straight line. I said, even more than that, you know how rivers, if you're ever flying over across the country, you see rivers. Rivers, they, cut, they take the path of least resistance, right? Even a river is still not a straight line, though. It's still not a straight line. Sometimes we think that, oh, I'm going to do my way and my way is going to work out and it's going to be straight and it's going to be easy. But guess what? Even then it doesn't work out. But God is saying, hey, I'm still your guide and I'm still going to lead you, which means there's no place you can go where God has not already been. Isn't that good? There's no place I can go where God hasn't been. Oh man, I'm going through this divorce. God's been there. I don't know what I'm going to do with my child. God has been there. I don't know if I'm going to face how I'm face this loneliness. God has been there. God's not leaving you alone. He's not ignoring you. God sees exactly where you're at. And God says, I'm watching over you. I care about you. So you're not alone in this situation. You're not alone. God is right there beside you. He's there to guide you. But oftentimes, you know why we don't follow him? Because we're playing Texas Hold'em with God. I said, oh, I don't know God. I don't know, can I really trust you? And God is saying, I created this universe. I created you. What do you mean, can you really trust me? God is saying, yes, you can trust me. But the reason we don't fully trust God is because we don't really know him. If a perfect stranger walked up to you and said, hey, can I borrow your car and your car keys? You'd be like, no, uh uh-uh. My wife and I, we went to San Francisco and there's this new app. You've heard of Uber. There's also Lux. And what Lux does is they meet you wherever you park your car in the city and they take your car and they'll bring it back when you're done. So we go to City Hall, we're down at City Hall, and I was like, I can't believe we're doing this. I, they show the picture of the guy walking up, and he wasn't walking, he was like on a skateboard, he comes skating up, he pops the skateboard, hands through the keys, doesn't even say hi or anything, just like that with the keys. I was like, are you for real? What am I doing? I'm handing my keys to a complete stranger. I was like, I'm never going to see this car again. Like, this car is gone. My wife's like, just do it, let's just do it, we got to go, come on, let's go. I'm like, Bye. That's, that was a nice car while I had it. I was like, I just handed my keys to a complete stranger. I can't believe I did that. Two hours later, the car came back. I was like, whoa, man. All the gas was gone. The tires were stripped. No, I'm just kidding. But the car came back. And some of us are saying, I wouldn't trust anybody I don't know. 
And that's why you don't trust God. Oh, God, you want me to give? No, no, I can't give. You don't trust God. My bills are too much. I couldn't invest into the kingdom work. You don't trust God. Oh, I couldn't serve at church. It's, it's, I, you just don't trust God. I'm just too stressed out, and I want to work in my calling, and I want to do what I'm passionate about. I hear that from a lot of church people. Oh, I, I just want to serve God as long as, as long as I'm called to do what I'm passionate about. You know, I never heard Paul ever in the New Testament say, you know, I'm just passionate about prison ministry. He never said it. I just love me some Roman jails. Like, the food is so good. He didn't, he didn't ever do that. But yet we've got a group of Christians nowadays that I'm only going to serve Jesus if it's my, my passion. What are you passionate about? Oh, you know, just, just I'm passionate about certain things. What? How would you just serve Jesus wherever Jesus guides you? If that's the person God's put in front of you, then you serve them. If God has put somebody in front of you to pray with them, then pray with them. If there's somebody who needs some love, then you love on them. Be there to be available. Thank you, two of you. Man, I'm glad two of you are getting right. So good. My goodness, man. It's going to take us a little while, church, to wake up. But understand that God is guiding us. And sometimes he's going to guide you to places you're not passionate about, but he is. And that's okay. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So we need to say, you know what? Right now, I may not necessarily be passionate about this situation. But God, if you've led me here, it's for a reason. And so I'm going to follow you. I worked in Lancaster, and in Lancaster, I had an area, and it was kind of the area that I was working to just kind of reach people, see people's lives transform, do community events, and it was a little town called Lake L.A. Anybody know Lake L.A.? Oh, one person. Yeah, it's this little, it's a small town, isn't it? It's a tiny little town. It's mostly a bunch of mobile homes, isn't it? It's just a couple thousand mobile homes. Yes, I got me another friend who knows. So I would go out to that area and we would do events. We would do all kinds of fun things because we were trying to reach the community for Jesus. We were just trying to share and, and, and build relationships. And there was one lady, man, I, I went to her house and it was up on the hill and I went up to her house and I knocked on the door. I was going to invite her to a church event. And man, she, she let her dogs loose out of me. So I'm running away from dogs, and man, I'm not a fast runner, and so I got these dogs chasing me, and I jump in, and I'm just like, oh man, I just, I was so irritated. But then I had a thought, I could unleash hell, or I could unleash heaven. So, I don't give up easily. Matter of fact, the harder it is, the better. My father-in-law said I couldn't marry my wife three times, and I still ended up marrying her, so what now, you know? It's just how I roll, okay? I just don't give up. I don't quit. So I came back to this lady, but this time, I didn't come back empty. I brought a pie with me, all right? And she comes up, and I kid you not, this is exactly what happened, okay? She cracks the door. What's that? It's a pie? What kind of pie? It's an apple pie. What'd you put in it? What do you mean, what did I put in? I'm not here to drug you or something. Like, it's a pie. It's just a pie, you know? And it's not a chocolate pie like you saw in the movie. It's not that. It's, no, no, it's just a pie. And I, and I ended up giving it to her. And then she just took it, slammed the door. Didn't say thank you, didn't say anything. I would go back to her house week after week after week. We would do concerts, and I would invite her to concerts. Anything that was going on, I would just stop in. I would drop off dog food. You know, got to keep them dogs healthy. And so just whatever we could do to just try to build a relationship. For two years, I did that. For two years, just trying to build a relationship. I would love to say that she got saved. I baptized her, and she's got a worldwide ministry around the world, world famous. Isn't Beth Moore or something? No, it's not. No, she never got saved. She never came to church after all that. So I move up here in 2007, and we had an intern that summer that worked at the church, and I talked to him. He ended up going to the same college in the same area, 
And then he calls me one day because we just kept in touch. We would talk to each other, keep each other encouraged and, and talk about the Bible, talk about things that are going on. And he's like, hey, Makai, it was pretty cool. I, I, I was out in Lake LA and I, I go up to this lady's house, man, and knock on the door. And this lady was just ready to get saved, man. He was like, I didn't have to do anything. This lady, she gave her life to the Lord. She's in church. Things are happening. It's just awesome. Everybody thinks I'm, I'm this great uh, evangelist. And I was like, I hate you. I was like, I really do. I, and then I described the house, two-story house up on the hills. I was like, a lot of dogs. He's like, yeah, that's her. I was like, for two years, two years, I invested in, and you get to come in and reap the fruit? Are you kidding me? But guess what? I was being led by the Spirit, and I didn't understand all that God had for me. I didn't understand, and guess what? Neither will you. You won't. Not everything's going to make sense. God may be putting it in your heart to stay with him or stay with her, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. God may be putting on your heart to touch somebody and pray with somebody this week. And you're like, I, no. God may put on your heart this week to take that Easter invitation, go to that boss who says, I'm an atheist. And you say, I know you've stated where you're at, but I just, God has put this on my heart. Whether you believe in him or not, I just gotta, I just gotta invite you. Whatever you do, I just, I have to follow what God is telling me. You see, it's, a preacher said this a couple weeks ago and it sound, it's resonated with me. True success is me being obedient and not worrying about the outcome obedience is mine outcome is God's so you and I we're saying I'm just obedient to the Holy Spirit let outcome be his part so I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do I'm going to follow the Spirit's leading because he's the good shepherd and the good shepherd's not going to lead me astray so he's my guardian and he's my guide and we got to wrap things up thirdly he's my giver notice verse number 11 verse number 11 here's what the Bible says this this shepherd he's so good he said I'm the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep and we see that and we're thinking, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. But we don't really, it doesn't really sink in. And the reason why is because we think we're, we're, we're all that. We saw that 300 friends on Facebook and we're like, I got 300 friends. I'm kind of popular. Look at all those likes I got on my Instagram. Oh man, Snapchat, everybody wants me on Snapchat. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm that. Man, I, I, I just, I work out, I look good. And so I can see why Jesus died for me kind of a likable person. I got a good personality. And, and I'm, I'm a great husband. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm just a great wife and I just got, I, Jesus, I get why you died for me. Now, him or her, I, I don't understand. But for me, I do. I do. You're so good. You're so wise. Who has to question your infinite ways? Oh God, you are wonderful. You died for me. And we wouldn't say it out loud, but we kind of behave like it. And we don't understand what we truly are. The psalmist said that he knows our frame and he remembers that we are just dust. I remember I was at my brother's church and my brother, he called me up afterward and he said, hey, Makai, would you come pray and close out the service? So I come up there and it was a good message and everything. And I, you know, you kind of, you kind of want to wax eloquent in your prayer. Ever been around those people? They know how to start praying down scripture and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, you have a kind of what we call a dumb prayer. You're like, uh, Jesus, thank you for being good. You know, and you start just making up stuff. Like you're so good, Jesus, you melt in my hands, not my mouth. You're like a good neighbor, Jesus, you know, always there. You you just don't know what you're saying. You're just like praying stuff. And so I get up there and I'm like, God, just thank you so much. You just love us. And I'm praying. I'm like, God, man, and we're just but dust. And God, we're just awful, wretched, but dust. And I kept saying it. And and I, as I'm praying, I'm hearing people laugh. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm praying here. Why are people laughing at my prayer? What's going on? And then afterward, one of the people came up to me. They were like, I just have one question. What's butt dust? And I was like, what are you talking about? 
what are you talking about? And he was like, no, no, you kept saying we are butt dust. And he was like, I'm just curious. What is butt dust? And um, I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. I couldn't believe it. I'm up there in front of this church, waxing eloquent. And that's what they were laughing at. They want to know what butt dust was. Don't ask me about it afterward. Don't ask. You can ask Pastor Wes. Email him at Wes at Southridge San Jose. He will help you with that. But it helps me to remember that I'm not all that I think I am. I dress it up and I clean it up and I try to do everything I can to make it presentable. But ultimately, I'm just dust. I'm just dirt. You're dirt. We're all just dirt. Some dirt, we have to paint it and squish it and do things to it and to dress up our dirt. But we're all just dirt. We're the same dirt and God died for all our dirt. We're all just dirty people. That's who we are. That's who we are. But Jesus looked down and said, that's that dirt. I, I remember it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life for it. But here's the thing. Even though we're just dust and we're dirt, even though God is holy, God still uses things that are dirty. Isn't that crazy? Even though God is holy, God still uses things that are dirty. So you this week could have made some bad decisions. We all have. You in your lifetime may have made some decisions that weren't good. We all have. And God can still say, I want to use you in a profound and powerful way as you are led by this good shepherd. The shepherd wants to guide you. But not only that, it's amazing that Jesus, he knows all of our dirt, right? We can't hide our dirt from him. He doesn't drag us through the dirt. Satan calls us by our sin. Jesus calls us by our name. He doesn't look at you and say, oh man, adulterer, murderer, liar, cheater. He doesn't go through that. That's what Satan does. That's what the enemy does. But Jesus calls us his child, his beloved. That's who Jesus calls us to be. And so this morning, we need to see this shepherd for who he really is. But imagine this passage is taking place just before Jesus is about to give his life on the cross. And so he's leading his way into Jerusalem. That's the setting. This is Passion Week. This is the week where we celebrate the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so the timeline lines up. Where you can imagine just outside of Jerusalem, there's a little town called Bethlehem. The place where Jesus was born. It's less than six miles outside of Jerusalem. You can see it on a clear day. And it's not far. Bethlehem is called the house of bread. But what Bethlehem was known for was the sheep that would line the hillsides. Those sheep were also the same sheep that the temple would use for the sacrifices. The sacrifice started all the way back in Genesis where a pure spotless lamb would be offered up for the sins of a nation. And so what would happen would be the temple priest or the priest assistant would go to Bethlehem, would go to the city, and they would find that perfect lamb to be offered up because it's almost Passover. It's almost that time. What Passover was, it started in Exodus where the the death angel passed over any house that had the blood that was on the doorpost. And it's interesting that they use hyssop to dip the blood. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the centurion, he took hyssop, put a sponge on it, dipped it in vinegar, and offered it to Jesus. And so we see at this passage, here's Jesus. He's teaching this principle to his disciples. And you can imagine as they see Bethlehem, as they know that's the place where they get the sheep. And you can imagine a, a, a priest or a priest assistant going through Bethlehem, looking for that spotless lamb, talking to shepherd after shepherd as he's looking for that pure, spotless, white lamb. And finally, he finds a lamb. And you can imagine him, this, this person examining it because the lamb could have no imperfections. It has to be beautiful and perfect. 
woolly white. You can imagine as he finds the lamb. And then you can imagine as he reaches into his bag to grab out some coins and he says, okay, to the shepherd, I'm going to buy it. And the shepherd stops and says, actually, you can't buy this sheep. And the priest or the priest's assistant saying, what do you mean I can't buy the sheep? Don't you understand? The sheep is going to be a representation of the sins of, of the nation of Israel. And so we need this lamb. And imagine that shepherd saying, you can't have the lamb, but you can have me. And I'll die in the place of that lamb. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like what shepherd says, yep, that's pretty good looking sheep. Yeah, I'm going to give my life for it. But that's what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to realize. Is that I'm that kind of shepherd. And they still didn't get it. Even Peter, he's saying, no, Jesus, you will not die and Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, I must drink the cup of God's wrath. I must. You can't stop me. And so you and I this morning, as we go into this week of Passion Week, I don't want us to just go ho-hum into this week. I want us to understand that Jesus died for us. He took the place of the sheep. He took my place and your place. All the sin was heaped on him. So much All the wrath and indignation of God was poured out on Jesus that God himself had to turn away and could not even look at Jesus. And Jesus on the cross, one of his last sayings was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had never at one time in his life ever been separated from God, but at that moment he was separated. And he felt utterly alone and isolated because God turned his back on his own son. And that sin that Jesus died for, not just the sins that we're okay with confessing. Oh yeah, I lied, I cheated, I did some bad stuff. No. All the sin of every murder, every rapist, every serial killer, every person that did some uh, evil atrocity, all that sin was poured on Jesus. Jesus drank every drop of it. And God poured out his wrath on Jesus. And Jesus took that and died on the cross for you and for me. So let me ask you again, how good do you really feel about yourself? Because honestly, there should be a point where we step back and say, thank you, God. I realize that when we're entitled, we don't say thank you. When we're entitled to it, we don't offer the gratitude we're supposed to. And we live in an entitlement generation. We can see entitlement in everybody else, but we don't see it in the church. We don't see that we kind of feel entitled to it. My church, you know? That'd be donuts for me. No donuts, I'll go find another church. (laughs) Whoever buys the donuts, it better be donuts. But it's these things where we feel like, God, what are you doing? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, as we prepare our hearts and minds for this week, may we not just go ho-hum into another week, into another, another passion week. Jesus, you died. You gave your life for us. How can we not usher in heaven on earth now that we have your son inside of us? How can we not take to this world the joy, the life, the abundant goodness that you have for us and share it with others? God, you're so great. You're so good. And so, Father, this morning we humble ourselves and we say thank you with grateful hearts. We say thank you. And with a heart of wanting to give back.
back to you, we give ourselves. Father, I pray that you would use these people. Help them this week to understand that you're not just this meek and mild passive Jesus, but you're a great Jesus, a high and lifted up God. And you sit on a throne. And so, Father, we worship you. We come before you. We want to honor you this morning. Let's all stand, church.